So before I start, um, you know, I, I teach at Holmes Institute, which is our seminary, and every so often there are students there who I think are bright stars and I get excited about. And so just recently, one of them passed her exam, and I want to introduce you to her because uh, you will be seeing her around, and that is Reverend Millie Forsberg. Would you please stand up? She passed her panels this week. So, so we're thrilled to have her here uh, this morning as well. So baggage, we all got it. You know, when I was in corporate America um, for working for a Society of Certified Senior Advisors, I was on the road usually about twice a month, sometimes three times a month. And my job was to help create this incredible experience to certify professionals in the health, social, and financial aspects of aging. But I worked for Ed Pittock, who is cheap as could be, and I hope he's watching this, because I remember <laughs> if he could slice a penny in half, the boy would do it. And so we got to the point where we are no longer shipping the equipment, we now are schlepping the, the uh, equipment. So we would schlep things all over, and you know, you get to the airport, and, um, and then you would get that, the look from the flight attendant who was standing behind the counter, letting you know your baggage was too big or it weighed too much. And so what I would do is I would have to redistribute my stuff that I was schlepping all over the place in order to get it to fit through what it needed to do and to get it to the class in time. And then of course, you would just pray that it would get there because if you were doing a transfer and you were using more than one plane, you were nervous wrecked because things like computers and PowerPoint machines and all those pieces, you know, sometimes they wouldn't show up or, you know, you were doing a class in St. Louis and it would be in California, which is actually what would happen on numerous occasions. But I thought about those days a lot and how, when we take a trip now, uh, it's mostly for pleasure and we don't have the schlepping business really going on, but, but we are, a little bit of uh, gift quarters when we travel. And so what begins to happen is we go to Europe or we go to wherever we are going and we always manage to bring back gay things. And the gay things are, you know, things that look nice, platters. If it's large, glass, and breakable, we're going to bring it back. That's the general rule. And so then you have to figure out a place where it's going to fit in your baggage. And I remember this one trip that we were on and it was a European trip and we were coming, we were coming back to the USA and, and we get there and the bag weighs too much. And so we have to unzip the bag and we have to take things out. And usually your dirty underwear is on the top so it's right there for everybody to see. And, and you're taking all this stuff out of your bag and you're trying to figure out where you're gonna put it. You know, and if you could wear it, you would wear it but it's, you've already got your outfit on. How many of you have had this experience? Yes, and then, to make matters worse, ever since 9-11, we now are contained to these little squares in which we have to put our bags in or it's not gonna go in the overhead compartment. How many of you have seen that? Yeah, and of course, nobody has a bag that size. So for instance, this bag does not fit. This fits in the overhead compartment, but it doesn't fit in the little square. So you, you sit there worrying sick that some security person's gonna come arrest you for having a bag that is too big. How many of you had this instrument? Yes, so baggage is interesting stuff. And that's what we're gonna focus on this morning is baggage. But not this kind of baggage. We're gonna focus on a different kind of baggage that you and I carry around all the time. And that's the real key is to understand, well, I should put this up so that I'm not worrying about it here, so. 
got that done. So it says, the charges are correct, sir. The airline now charges you for your emotional baggage as well. Yeah. We laugh at that, but we have people threatening flight attendants now. We have people that are angry. We have people that dragged a physician down the aisle. We have all this emotional crap that is going on and we're dragging it with us, and we're bringing it with us. And, you know, we live in a time where it's, it's almost dangerous to have emotional baggage because you never know whose doorbell you're going to ring. Emotional stuff. All that stuff that you and I carry around all the time, and it becomes heavier and heavier as we do it. it says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to push all your buttons. I was just looking for mute. <laughs> or... Don't bring baggage from an ex-relationship into your next relationship unless you want it to be a short trip. <laughs> and yet we do. You know, we bring the ex-spouse's stuff. We bring, you know, we bring our beliefs about them. We believe, we even tell stories about them. And as we tell stories about them, it means that we're carrying them. It means that we have truly never let it go. Because that which we tell a story about will let you know what the baggage is. That which you get frustrated with or angry at will tell you the baggage that you are carrying. That which you are not willing to forgive and let go of will tell you the baggage that you are carrying. In order to let go of attachment, we must keep the lesson, stop telling the story, and let the rest go. The real key is to ask, what was the lesson? Never mind blaming the ex-spouse. Never mind blaming your next-door neighbor. What was the lesson? So Joanne and, and I were chatting before the service. She doesn't know I'm going to talk about her. But uh, she was talking about ordering some tickets when they were in Chicago to go see Hamilton. It's okay for me to tell the story because if I stop now, they're going to be mad. <laughs> yeah, so, anyway. And so... They ended up, instead of getting two kits, they ended up getting four. And there was an error message on the website that said error, so that they thought they didn't have it. But here's what I really appreciate about what she said. She said, we learned so many lessons on this trip. Now, she didn't tell me what the lessons were, but I could tell that there were some challenges on the trip. But she chose to look at it as a lesson. I'm asking you this morning to dig around in your baggage and possibly pull a lesson from it today instead of carrying it, talking about it, ignoring it. Because then it shows up in all kinds of interesting ways. One of the hardest, happiest moments in your life is when you find the courage to let go of what you cannot change. It is the hardest thing in the world to do. Right now, I want to be in charge of karma. Is anybody else with me? Yeah. <laughs> So we were talking before the service that maybe we should get a subcommittee and begin to, to take care of the karma. And really, when we want to take care of karma against somebody else, it's really about us again, which I can't stand these teachings when it does that to me. It just does this little mirror thing that that which you cannot stand in another person is actually about you. It is, and it's baggage. It's all the stuff that we carry around. We could be free instead, but instead we carry the baggage. So I want to look at three different aspects of baggage that I think are important to look at. The first one is picking up your baggage at the baggage claim. You and I get to claim 
that which we carry. Say that. You and I get to claim. That's right. There is no outside source doing it to us. There's the carousel of life that's going around with all kinds of stuff on it. It's like a big buffet. And that which you put on your plate, my mother said you must always eat, which is why I'm in the shape I'm in. (laughs) But what are you picking up on the carousel of life? The thing that comes around and around. And I've watched people in the airport pick up baggages that are not theirs. Have you ever had, I had this experience, where someone picked up my bag and thought it was theirs. And then they get attached to it. And I'm like, yeah, um, I said to this woman, unless your name is Norman Bouchard, that is my bag. Because I have those big tags that say Norman Bouchard, and I have, you know, I have these wonderful tags all over it with my name and my address and my phone number. And she wouldn't even look at the tag. She argued with me, no, that's my bag. And I said, um, that is not your bag, that is my bag. And so the two of us are going back and forth. I finally said, open up the bag and you'll see my underwear in there. She goes, yep, it's your bag, here you go. (laughs) But we even get attached to other people's baggage. We get attached to the media baggage, do we not? Yeah, we get all wound up about it. and, And yet the carousel of life is giving us a lesson that says, don't pick that up, it's nothing but trouble but we want to pick it up. Secondly, what's in your baggage that you don't need? What is in your baggage that you do not need? What did you bring in this space this morning of who you are not speaking to, who you are angry at, who you are frustrated with, that which you are carrying and angry about you brought into this space today? The question is, do you need it? Do you want it in your life? And last but not least, I have learned a lesson that it is better to keep your baggage light. We have friends of ours who are going on a safari in Africa, and they're only allowed one bag, and they're having a hissy about it. Yeah. I bet you and I in life could survive with one bag, and we could choose what would go in that bag. Picking up your baggage And picking up others' baggage is important for us to understand because we pick up our parents' baggage and we pick up their emotions as early as being in the womb. And then we proceed to carry them out. But if we're honest and we begin to look at it, we begin to realize it wasn't ours in the first place. Cheryl Smith, who's a wonderful blogger who I catch her blog every so often, she writes about the most interesting things in life. She's a therapist. She reflected on this as she wrote this, and I love it. It says, as I have been unpacking my emotional baggage, I have been digging deep to unearth root reasons and origins for what I am finding in my current life. It has occurred to me just how much of my life has been controlled by a sense of unnatural, overwhelming fear, and that with the help of a wise and deeply appreciated husband and son, I think I'm finally understanding where the seed of such a powerful fear has been planted. My dear mom was one of the most fearful people I've ever known. She lived most of her 84 years under the overhanging shadow of extreme fear. Until recently, I never gave much thought about why my mom was so afraid or why she automatically assumed the absolute worst in every single situation. But as I follow the trail of fear, it is becoming clearer. Of mom's eight siblings, there were seven brothers, but just one sister. When my mom was 17 and her only sister, Opal, was 15, Opal died. 
That severely traumatized event in my mother's young life set a precedence for the remainder of her days here on the planet. Fast forward to when my mom was 33 and her first husband was killed in a car accident, leaving her a widow with four children. A few years later, mom married dad, and a year after that, I was born. Life growing up was lived with this sense of dread at the bottom would fall out of any moment and the worst possible thing could happen to you. Each time someone was sick, mom assumed they were going to die. Every time somebody was late, mom feared there was an accident or someone had been killed. When things were good, there was a sense that it couldn't last. So you better prepare yourself for the worst. As absurd as this sounds, this was my life in my home. Mom's fears literally governed our lives and were probably at the root of why we moved 47 times. Fear is a huge component of my emotional baggage, but forcing myself to get to the bottom of the reason has been an enormously helpful in figuring out why I have chosen to pick up my mother's baggage. Not only did I pick it up, it became my identity. And I had that dreadful moment of looking in the mirror and seeing my mother's face. We pick it up and then proceed to carry it out. And that powerful story really describes that emotional stuff that begins to happen. And the reason we pick stuff up is that we are vibrational people. We vibrate at a frequency. We have an energy. That's all life is, is energy. One energy into the other. And so as we vibrate at a certain energy, we attract people who have the same energy. And so when you are surrounded in a family that is filled with fear or dysfunction, that dysfunction becomes your dysfunction and my dysfunction until we learn differently. What is so powerful about Cheryl's story is that she had the courage to ask where the trail came from. I'm asking you this morning. I'm asking myself this morning to look at the baggage, to follow the trail, to have the courage to look at the emotional stuff that you and I carry that we cannot afford to carry. What are you picking up on the carousel of your life that doesn't belong to you? We do it all the time. Isn't that a beautiful sound? <laughs> Let go of the illusion that could have been any different. Just start there. Let go of the illusion that you did not get the mother or the father you wanted. You got the one that was. You got the one that is. You would have liked the neighbors better. I would have liked my Aunt Marianne and Uncle Conrad better, Ozzy and Harriet but that's not what I got. And so for the longest time in my own life, I carried that wishing they were not who they were, missing the lesson all along the way that I signed up for them to learn a lesson and that I had the power, once I learned the lesson, to move on, to carry that which I really wanted. When you let go, you create a space for something better. Could this possibly be you? Carrying years and years and years of stuff, 
emotional stuff. Our founder, Dr. Ernest Holmes, powerfully writes, what if we are confused, distraught, and upset, and all of other sorts? What if the pressure of the past has appeared to cloud the sunlight of the present? The past is gone, and the sun is shining on the other side of the clouds. And so let us deliberately resolve to put down our old thinking and pick up our new life. We can change our thinking today and make up our minds that we can have the life that we want to choose. We can do that. The mountains that you are carrying, you were supposed to climb. You weren't supposed to set up a campsite and stay there and then pack it up when you leave. You weren't supposed to do any of that. What's in your baggage that you do not need? Well, let's find out. You never find that zipper. Oh, I think I just unzipped the extension so I could put more in. You know that? It's like sweatpants on Thanksgiving. Oh, here's one. Have any? It's for sale and it's free. Grudges. Grudges are very interesting things. My question that I'm asking you this morning is, what do you think grudges actually give you? A grudge is like a prison cell, and forgiveness is the key. It's that which we continue to hold on to, and it causes an imprisonment of us. We wished it caused an imprisonment to the other, but it does not. This actually causes an imprisonment to you and to me. That's what it does. It doesn't hurt the other person. It doesn't bother the other person. It's you carrying that mountain. What else do we have in this crap? Oh, yes, any Jews in the crowd? <laughs> any Frenchmen in the crowd? Any Catholics in the crowd, former Catholics? Yeah, we, we have a good circle on this. Guilt. Carrying guilt. Guilt is a very interesting emotion. Guilt is like holding a grudge against yourself. And the main question I want to ask you is, the commandments in most of the religious traditions say we must love our neighbor as our... And so when we carry guilt, we are actually punishing ourselves. We're not punishing the other person. We're punishing ourselves. What guilt are you carrying? Could it be a guilt that you weren't think you were the best parent on the planet? The guilt of having to giving up a child. The guilt of hurting somebody and never saying you are sorry. Guilt. It only happens in ourselves. It happens in people. Happens in crowds. Happens in religion. Religion make a lot of money on it. A lot of fear in that dynamic. Oh, yes. The biggie. Fear. False evidence appearing real. Fear is the most discrippling and the most terrifying piece to live with. And we anticipate it. It's not real. 
It's all that which we are worried about what might happen in the process. Fear is limiting your future with an emotion that is not real. Read that with me. Fear is limiting your future with an emotion that is not real. Fear. And yet so many of us live in fear. My friends, we are religious scientists. That is our denomination. We do not believe in fear. We do not believe that we have to live in a place of fear. And right now our society is in what? And what are we in fear about? Killing, guns, going to Walmart, going to gay clubs, fear. And if we vibrate there as a society, we will attract it. But if we vibrate at a place of love, inclusivity, and empowerment and peace in our world, collectively we can change the world just by consciousness, just by vibrating there. But we buy into fear. We buy into false evidence appearing real. Our power on this planet is to vibrate in the place we want to be. Leave who you were, love who you are, and look forward to who you will become. None of that involves fear. That involves empowerment. The truth is, unless you let go, unless you forgive yourself, unless you forgive the situation, unless you realize that the situation is over, you cannot move forward. But your ex does. Your ex boss does. Your last place of employment continues to move. And yet we get stuck. We get frozen and drag the bag over and over again. In the process of telling, of letting go, you will lose many things from the past, but you will find yourself. You will leave a space that is for a possibility of what might happen instead. Because life becomes easier when you learn to accept an apology you never got. Sister Mary Karma knows this. You want them to apologize, but they will not. And you can live in that space of demanding it, wanting it, and being in the place that you were wronged. And I'm here to tell you it will never set you free. It will be the biggest imprisonment in your life and mine. Last but not least, keep your baggage light. There is a wonderful children's story, and we're all children at heart, that says this so well. There were small snails living on a juicy cabbage leaf. They moved gently around, carrying their houses from leaf to leaf in search of a tent to his father. When I grow up, I want to have the biggest house in the world. That's silly, said his father, who happened to be the wisest snail on the cabbage. Some things are better left small. And so he told them this story. Once upon a time, a little snail just like you said to his father, when I grow up, I want to have the biggest house in the world. And his father said, some things are left better small. 
Keep your house light and easy to carry. But the little snail would not listen, and hidden in the shade of the large cabbage leaf, he twisted and twitched his way, and this way and that way, until he discovered how to make his house grow. It grew and it grew, and the little snails and the cabbage leaf said, Surely you have the biggest house in the world. And the little snail kept twisting and twitching until his house grew as large as a melon. Then by moving his tail from left to right, he discovered how to grow large pointed bulges. And by squeezing and pushing and working very hard, he was able to add bright colors and beautiful designs to his house. Now he knew that he was the biggest and most beautiful house in the world, and he was proud and happy. A swarm of butterflies flew overhead and said, look at that, is it a cathedral? Another said, no, it's a circus. They never guessed that what they were looking at was the house of a small scale, and the snail absolutely had grown his house. Little frogs along the way in the pond stopped in awe. Never, they told their cousins, never have you seen such an amazing sight, an ordinary little snail with a house like a birthday cake. One day after they had eaten all the leaves and only a few numbling stems were left, the snails moved on to another cabbage. But the little snail, he couldn't move. His house was too big. He was left behind with nothing to eat. Nothing remained but the house. And that too, little by little, began to crumble until nothing remained at all. Now that was the end of the story, and the little snail listening was almost in tears. I shall keep it small, he thought, and when I grow up I shall go wherever I please, lightly, lovingly, easily. And so one day, light and joyous, he went to see the world. He discovered there were polka-dotted mushrooms and towering stems and beautiful flowers that grew. There were pine cones lying in the shade of trees and there were little stones tiny around that laid in the sand that created a path for him. And there was plenty of tiny buds that were sweet with the morning dew and the little snail was happy. The seasons came and went, but the snail has never forgotten the story that his father told him. And every time someone asked him, how come your house is so small? He would tell the story of the biggest little house in the world. How big is your house? How large is your baggage? Learn from the snail. You and I were meant to be light and free. That's why it feels so awful when we take on stuff that does not belong to us. That's why it feels so horrible, because our natural state of being in the image that we were created in was to be light and free. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were naked. I'm not suggesting that. <laughs> Until they started to add stuff. And guilt and blame and fear. And the story is to keep it light, free, and easy to carry. My emotional baggage won't fit in the overhead bin. That's correct. You cannot step upstairs in a consciousness with old baggage. 
you will keep repeating the same life over and over again because there's nothing left for you in that space. So let it go and move on. As the carousel of life comes around every single day, it is the simple little actions that cause the baggage to grow or to shrink. The kindness of letting somebody in on I-25. The other day I was getting on at North Academy and nobody would let me in. So I had to stop to the Briargate shops. <laughs> nobody will let you in. And one guy was doing this to me. And I was on the entrance ramp. He was already in the flow. Carry the baggage. Go ahead. See where it gets you. Your house is supposed to be tiny and small. Your emotions are meant to give out love, not hate and fear. Acceptance and love is one of the key components in making our world work together. One of the happiest moments in life is when you find the courage to let go of what you cannot change. People you cannot change. You never have been able to do that, yet it's this endless thing that you and I try to do. In the end, only three things matter. Buddha says, how much did you love? How gently did you live? And how gracefully did you let go of things that were not meant for you? It doesn't have your name on it. Leave the damn thing alone. Don't pick it up. Leave it alone. If you want to fly to the sky, you need to leave the earth. If you want to move forward, you need to let go of the past that drags you down. Let go of the baggage. So here's my tip for you. Read it with me. Travel light. Travel fast, travel fabulous. That's what I want you to do. This week, I want you to test this in the laboratory of life outside of these doors. I want you to travel light. Do not pick up any emotional baggage this week. Be heightened and aware not to pick it up. Travel light. Turn off that damn TV and turn on some music. Because if you get agitated, you're going to go out there and agitate others. But if you are living in a place of peace and you are meditating and you are doing a spiritual practice, that's how you start your day. That is the energy and how you travel light. Because when you have a good centering experience and you remember who you are, the divine expression of the one that knows exactly what to do to spread love, to live lightly, a whole different day unfolds for you. Secondly, travel fast. Do not slow down to pick up crap. You do not have time. You have a short period on this planet in order to accomplish and learn your lessons. Learn them with love. Learn them with power. Do not stop and smell the awful flowers, particularly the dandelions. And travel fabulously, luxuriously. Be fabulous. Be fabulous in the way you feel and the way you do your business. Your personal business and your business. Our founder, Dr. Ernest Holmes, puts it so beautifully. He says, we are all human and we have all made mistakes. 
The starting point for creating a better future for ourselves is to deliberately free our minds from the mistakes of yesterday and feel that they no longer need to be held against us. They need no longer be a liability. The divine holds nothing against you. Say that one sentence. The divine holds nothing against you. So you have no business holding something against you. If God doesn't care, why do you? The divine that holds nothing against you. We have been given a divine power within that changes when we change our minds and when we create our future. My friends, travel lightly. Be careful what you pick up on the baggage claim. Pick up the bag of love. Pick up the bag of acceptance. Pick up a bag that you can open up and share and be proud of. Carry the bag of peace in your back pocket. The peace that passes all understanding in the craziness of our world. And this week, have the courage to open up your baggage and look. And ask a simple question, what is it I don't need in this bag? What could I let go of? And last but not least, keep your baggage light. Keep your house small and light so that you can move, create, live, and be free. Now that's a bag you want to carry. Pray with me. There is one energetic force in the universe. God, the divine spirit whose name is love. That divine power that vibrates a frequency of eloquence vibrates every place on the planet from the tiniest seed in the ground to the immensity of the world holding hands together. All of it is God, spirit, living, breathing, having its way. And it is having its way through me. It is having its way through all of us, for we are one with that divine presence, expressing itself powerfully, beautifully, connecting in one divine dance. For that divine power is breathing us and we are breathing it. And so what I claim and know this day is from that spot, we let the baggage go. I claim and know for us to stay with it. Whatever baggage has been brought into this space, we leave it here, we dissipate it, and we let it go. Whatever seems impossible is now possible. For when we create that sacred space, when we have the ability to let go, and that is what I am claiming for us this day, spirit washers in divine love, synchronicity, power, and peace. I claim that not only for all of us gathered in this space, I claim it for our world this day. I claim that we dissipate peace, that we vibrate at a frequency of divine love, that in which we are. I claim and know that that is what we are doing at this very moment. Feel it. Vibrate love at this moment. Send love at this moment to anyone you wish. Send it.
feel its power. What I know and claim is the minute that we do that incredible power, our heart lightens, our heart chakra opens, and we stand in this divine knowing that all is possible and that we are light and free in our home, in our soul home, and we carry it forth from this space. I claim it for our world, I claim it for us, and I claim it for this church. I claim it for Colorado Springs. I know that wherever there is fear, we release it this day and we usher in love. I am in such gratitude that we have the power to change our world by our thinking. I claim and know we are doing it at this very moment. I am in such gratitude that we have the ability to let the baggage go, to open our hearts, and to set ourselves and the world free, connected together as one. What a joy it is to speak my word, because I know the minute I have done this, the law gets busy activating, demonstrating, and creating that which I have just spoken. And I have spoken it on behalf of all of us. What a joy it is to release this, knowing it is already done. And so with one voice, we sing and affirm together. I am the place where God lives, moves and breathes and has its being. I am the place where God shows up. I am the place where God lives, moves and breathes and has its being. I am the place where God shows up. I am the place where God lives, moves and breathes and has its being. I am the place where God shows up. Oh, I am the place. I am the place where God lives, moves and breathes and has its being. I am the place where it is. This is the time we get to fill this bag. Because <laughs> you promised you would. This is the time we get to circulate our good knowing that the larger the container that we give out, the larger the container in which it comes back. It's a spiritual law. So I invite you, and I invite those who are watching us online to join in this law of circulation. I have a wonderful donate button right by your screen. So I invite you to take your tithe, your gift, place it over your heart, and let us pray affirmation together. I joyfully celebrate the flow of God through me. I am grateful for receiving and giving to my spiritual community. I give thanks, always knowing God is my source. And so it is.